I'm Siobhan McClay, she, her. And I'm Jen Jackson, she, her. And this is Embodiment for the Rest of Us, a podcast series exploring topics within intersections that exist in fat liberation. In this show, we interview professionals and those with lived experience alike to learn how they are affecting radical change and how we can all make this world a safer place for those living in larger bodies and in marginalized spaces. Captions and content warnings are provided in the show notes for each episode, including specific timestamps, so that you can skip triggering content anytime that feels supportive to you. This podcast is a representation of our co-hosts and guest experiences and may not be reflective of yours. These conversations are not medical advice and are not a substitute for mental health or nutrition support. In addition, the conversations held here are not exhaustive in scope or breadth. These topics, these perspectives are not complete and are always in process. These are just the highlights. Just like posts on social media or any other podcast, this is just a glimpse. We are always interested in any feedback on this process if something needs to be addressed. You can email us at listener, L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, at embodimentfortherestofus.com. And now for today's episode. Happy February and welcome to episode eight, season one of the Embodiment for the Rest of Us podcast. In today's episode, we interviewed our close friend and incredible support person, Jess Kennard, they, she, about their embodiment journey. Jess Kennard, M-A-L-M-H-C-A-T-R-P, is a clinical art therapist and eco-arts facilitator working on land belonging to the Tiwa-speaking people in what is also called Albuquerque, New Mexico. They practice expressive eco-arts therapy, which combines various creative modalities with the healing potential of the natural world. Jess's work focuses on clients healing their relationship with their body to belong to themselves more fully. They strive to model anti-oppressive practice, radical consent, fat positivity, and environmental stewardship through their life and therapeutic work. Jess also leads dream exploration groups, expressive arts workshops, and one-on-one creative well-being sessions in addition to their private practice. Visit Jess's website, jesskinard.com, and at The Sacred Third on Tumblr and Pinterest for more information. Before we begin, some parts of this episode's audio are on the quieter side, so you may need to adjust your volume accordingly throughout. And with that, away we go. Hi, we are so freaking excited and filled with joy to have such a thoughtful human being with us today on the podcast. We cannot wait. Uh, today, (laughs) Today, we have our dear friend Jess with us from Albuquerque, someone whose perspectives we adore and get so much from. There's so much insight coming your way. We just know it. Let's start. Jess, how are you doing today? Well, Honestly, I'd like to honor my body in answering that question um, and questions like that. And the truth is that I'm really tired today. I had my 18-year-old sister-in-law move in with us from out of state this past weekend. And it's just been a lot of work trying to get her settled and grounded and feeling comfortable and at home while also working at home. full-time so it's just been a lot yeah. and, and a lot of excitement too which always makes me tired <laughs> mm. Mm. I, do, I have to recover from excitement too I feel that same <laughs> mm. I see 
feel, yeah. I feel like I'm getting an early taste of parenthood. Oh gosh, it, which is just constant fatigue. <laughs> 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 that's just, that's just what it feels like. But yeah, it's, it's a big transition. <laughs> I love that you already began by answering how you are today by talking about how embodied you feel. And as we sit in our bodies today, um, we, I would love to talk, start talking with a centering question along those lines about the themes of our podcast and how they occur to you. Can you share with us what embodiment means to you and what your embodiment journey has been like, if you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, you know, I think of embodiment as a partnership. Um, and not in the sense that your body is something separate from you at some, in some other way, but just that there's this kind of reciprocal relationship of listening and responding, um, that goes on when you're really truly embodied. And it's, I mean, I guess it's about inhabiting your physical form to whatever degree you can or want to. Um, It's about having a felt sense of your physical being in relationship with and also independent from like your emotional being, your mental being, your spiritual being. Um, I think... I don't know if either of you have read her book, but Christine Caldwell wrote a book, Body Fullness, and it's essentially um, if mindfulness were a practice that you did with your body, through your body, for your body, about your body, it would kind of be like body fullness just really having an awareness of the different sensations and processes and all the bubblings and gurglings and, you know, ticklings and all the fun things that come with being in a human body Um, and using that information to really help you move through the world. I have never heard of that book or that person. No. I love the idea of bodyfulness instead of mindfulness as, as a contrast to mindfulness or in addition to mindfulness. Oh, that's really, really good. Yeah, and it was making me think of saying mindfulness as mindfulness and sitting Ooh. with like it always feels like mindfulness is talked about as like how can we get empty? But I just like, yes, but I think it's about getting full, but I've never really phrased it to myself like that before. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. It really is. I get some chills. I like chills. This this may be the earliest I've gotten chills. I get them every episode. (laughs) That's part of embodiment, right? Like that's part of even in in Caldwell's kind of idea of bodyfulness. It's this idea of having awareness and being able to respond to messages from your body and being able to even give messages to your body. So not just, you know, we think of like embodiment I think a lot like when we're you know flooding ourselves with emotion during an ecstatic dance class right but it's also about listening to the prick behind your neck when you're walking down the street at night or knowing where your fingers are when you're chopping carrots on a cutting board like all of that is embodiment right 
my gosh. I can't even explain the chills that I have right now. It just right. keeps going. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jess. Wow. That was I hadn't incredible. This. this is incredible. Me neither. Yeah. Oh. The, oh, the, the really subtle, good. it's like the in-touchness of the subtleties. I was just thinking like of like touching my own fingertips and like how subtle that can feel. But also I find that really relaxing with clients, for example, to keep regulated. It's just kind of like rubbing my nails on my own fingers mm-hmm. gently. But I didn't, mm, it's like in any situation, in any kind of context, as you were bringing that up, the relationship we have with ourselves and the bi-directional signaling. And actually I was almost hearing other levels, not just these two levels, but a really expansive reaching, reaching in a lot of directions kind of feeling. Um, yeah, this is what I say all the time, but I would like to journal about that, about the fullness, <laughs> the fullness of embodiment, because we often talk yeah. about it from a place of what's missing. Mm-hmm. But I'm really getting that searching for what's there is such an important exercise. That's what I'm getting right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's wow. Awareness. Really it's um, also this concept of interoception, which is really like, mm-hmm. a keyword in, in interpersonal neurobiology field and trauma field is understanding our own interoception of what's going on internally. Um, and it doesn't actually stop internally like those body messages. It happens externally as well um, as our, you know, as our living energy as a field resonates with other living energies. Like there is an interaction beyond the surface of our skin, just as there is interaction happening beneath our skin. Right. So. Oh, this, yeah, this reminds me of positive embodiment, right? Which is about how we're interacting with the world and how we absorb the world and how we're interacting internally and how we send that out into the world. Ooh. Ooh. I still have chills. Like they have not stopped. (laughs) It's amazing. It's so great. So as we're talking about this interaction between what's going on inside with what's going on outside, that reminds me of your embodiment journey. Would you like to share what that is with has been with us or is or is continuing yeah, to I be? mean it's it's a journey is I guess I don't see I see a journey as not ending as maybe like mm, I don't know if cyclical is the right word, but just like constant. And if I think about it, you know, I think about being a kid and as I was a kid, I, I was really into being outdoors, to spending time in nature, to dancing. I loved eating. I know my grandfather would sit me on his kitchen counter and cook up all kinds of interesting things <laughs> and feed them to me. And the joke was kind of that he was just like trying to see what I would eat and I really would eat anything. <laughs> and I, I, I enjoyed eating a lot of different things. So as a kid, I just had this natural kind of sense of embodiment that I think we're, I really think we're born with it and it just gets disrupted um, by the various other signals that start happening around us. You know, I, I will say probably I there were probably things that started disrupting my own experience of embodiment from the get-go because I, I have experienced a fair amount of, of trauma in my in my life. And um, 
And it's just, it's in my lineage. It goes back. Many members of my family have dealt with trauma. It's just part of our story. And that really interrupts the embodiment, that loop, that feedback loop. And mm-hmm. I think it probably started causing minor disruptions like from birth um, and slowly over time I just started having a more and more difficult time understanding my own like internal cues of of hunger of emotions of pain um, and it has taken my adult life to kind of reorient and come back to what was my original sense of embodiment before um, I was exposed to so much stress. Um, And so what that looked like growing up is when I was thinking about this is that it ended up being things like having bruises all the time on my body because I had a really poor sense of where my body was in physical space. Um, You know, I've, had really intense body dysmorphia uh, throughout my life because of what messages I received about my body from other people that really interrupted my sense of of how I took up space in the world. Um, and so I think that my own kind of mental health healing journey has really helped reorient me to to embodiment, especially um, through creativity and 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 like pleasure based movement, like being in the outdoors, dancing again, like all the things I was doing when I was a tiny little kid, watching around in the creek and like tending to be a ballerina like that's when you know you're embodied is when you're doing right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I was sitting with that I was thinking about interoception mm-hmm. and how it's different for everyone I'm thinking about neurodivergence I'm thinking about mm-hmm. trauma blocks and barriers I'm thinking about um manipulation by others and these sort of like transferring of energies between people and how amazing it sounds and feels i think to do something that makes us feel more connected with ourselves and our bodies i was hearing like toddler me and teenage me (laughs) and like the things that i would do in those moments like i love hiking because that's what i did with my grandfather when i was young Um, and it wasn't like a normal walk, like just walking, we'd be pointing at stuff and talking about things and like, what's around us and let's feel this leaf. And I would play with his walking stick. And it was just like, I got to be with him in a very special way during that time. And also like as a teenager, um, the first time remembering feeling that I wanted to not be as perceived, like really noticing that I was perceived and I didn't want to be perceived, like all of these teenage level puberty changes. And also that, like, I like to do weird, quirky things, something I've totally come all the way around about. Like, I just, like, sometimes I want to interpretive dance to, like, a drip from the faucet. 
<laughs> That's it. what I genuinely want to do. But I used to repress that before because it felt like doing that in a class, like in an art classroom. I actually stopped taking art in the eighth grade because I was doing that to a drip in the back of the room. I was just like, ooh, I'm getting into my creative energy. Um, and someone pointed it out. And so I never did it again until maybe I was 30 or so. So I'm just like kind of sitting with all those things. I've never really thought about it um, as expressing my embodiment. Mm-hmm. through. You said pleasurable movement. We talk about joyful movement a lot, but pleasurable movement. Like it would be the quirkiest and strangest things. There's that movie Garden State and Natalie Portman's character is like, do something that's never been done before. She's like, and makes a sound and like does this. I don't even, I can't, sorry for everyone listening. I can't imitate that well. <laughs> um, but I think about that. That's that came out. I saw that around the time that I was 30 and I'm like, yes, like something that's never been done before just to like have a weird movement or talk to myself or whatever feels like is that expression to myself. I don't want to repress those things anymore i was just sitting with all that while you were talking it was incredible to listen to yeah yeah i was also the uh the kid who wanted to be the ballerina so like i just pranced around the house and i <laughs> didn't come back to doing that i just i'm a prince i'm a prancer now <laughs> like i just like to dance i just have to dance to like, get excited and my shoulders start going but um yeah i i can i can almost pinpoint when i stopped dancing as a kid and that was when i felt like i was being more perceived within you know, in my family, within my school environment, within the people, you know, the community that I was in and how I stopped moving because I didn't want to be seen. That's really, it's really something. Mm. And, oh, I love what you said that uh, not wanting to be seen even more than perception from other people, like not wanting to be seen by myself because I was internalizing Mm -hmm. those things Mm -hmm. being thrown at me. Um, pretty violently. I used the word thrown there on purpose. Like it felt like a violence and just like how to reconnect. Sometimes like the idea of reclaiming or reconnecting feels really energy intensive to my brain. It feels really Mm -hmm. daunting. It feels really hard to get to or towards. And I'm just hearing right now, like anything that's expressive to me works. I saw on Twitter the other day, I may have sent it to you, Siobhan, I'm not sure, but there was this whole thread that was like a dad joke is this category, but a mom joke is this other category. And it's all like <laughs> naming the animals in the neighborhood, the mayor, and then telling everyone that you see the mayor. And I do that all the time. And I was just real, like, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, the little long billed thrasher. I fed him a peanut yesterday. I'm like telling everyone what I'm doing with these creatures that live around. Um, and just realizing, that I'm not because I'm so not used to being seen by myself like noticing what I'm doing that I am not realizing the moments in which I'm embodied and that I'm just I'm sitting with that another journaling thing for me Um, that was really powerful powerful. can you say that again your journal is gonna be thick I have color-coded notebooks. For everyone listening, I'm showing her. Darling. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. I love it. <laughs> if, I if I can't sleep, I come in here and journal. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. So I do it a lot. I can't sleep a lot. Ooh, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, Jess, as a human being in a pandemic, how has that affected your embodiment? Yeah. How has that affected your embodiment practices? You know, I have an interesting relationship with this word practice. 
feels heavy, like the word exercise. Um, and heavy with expectations. And so one of my teachers talks more about devotion. So I think of how I'm devoted to embodiment. It feels more freeing. Maybe even almost like something you said earlier. Open, it's, it's slipping my mind, but you said something earlier that reminds me of this. Anyway, you know, okay, so this freaking pandemic, oh my gosh, what it has done <laughs> to bodies. Yeah. And I haven't been limited in terms of enjoying my devotions to pleasure movement. I've been hiking and walking in the bosque and um, which for listeners who aren't from New Mexico is this beautiful cottonwood old growth forest along the Rio Grande River. And being in my own garden and working in this earth there and planting things and bringing them to life and being in my stock tank pool and plunging, which is a really important embodiment practice. That's all in there for me. What has been a real challenge is being confined to a screen, being confined to my house in a sense of not being able to connect with other bodies. Um, that's been really, really difficult. And it took me a while to notice how difficult that is because I'm actually an introvert. And so there was kind of this, at first, this idea of like, no problem. I'm going to break all, break, bake all the breads and, you know, do all the online dance classes and grow all the vegetables and hike all the trails and do all the things that, People were checking off their pandemic playlists in the first, like, you know, three months or so. And then all of us, it just started sinking in that something really important was missing. And I think it's that physical space connection with other humans. Uh, and I, I think oh. that's a part of embodiment. I don't think we can be embodied as human beings without the presence of other bodies. Mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. what y'all think about that, but to me, that's that's more important than I ever thought it was. Having been through the last, what are we at, eighteen months now? Uh, yeah. Yes, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Five years, eighteen months. I don't know. <laughs> lifetime I'm like it's forever <laughs> what is time <laughs> right right I, I definitely don't know I don't I yeah I never know what anymore um I <laughs> what is time now and honestly like I'm an ADHDer I have no fucking clue what time is or 
the pandemic. <laughs> really, I've actually Same. learned more about time since being in the pandemic. Learning more about yes. my neurodivergent oh. brain. Like, <laughs> yes. But also, yeah, what the fuck is time anyway? <laughs> Yeah, both and I I feel the same. Also an ADHD year, and I feel like I find because I'm not running everywhere all the time. I'm only in my house. Even when I lose track of time, I am a room away from where I'm going to be. I'm not on the other side of town. I'm not. Oops, I'm in a meeting. I can't really move. Being in two meetings at the same time, like none of that is happening. Right. At first in the pandemic, I was like, oh, I'm going to attend all of the things. I'm going to watch two webinars at once. I don't even know why I had that idea. <laughs> Don't try that. It's not worth it. Um, but like, just being like, why do I do torturous things like this to myself? When what I really need is space. I have found more space inside of time now and more attention to myself. Not just attunement, like interoception inside and proprioception outside. Not just those like technical, like what's going on things, but also time when who gives a shit about what's going on. That other time. <laughs> Um, sitting on a porch, how did an hour pass kind of time? Like, that's also precious to me now. It used to be a very anxious space for me. I hadn't really thought about that till you brought that up. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's really sitting, well, I wrote a few notes in response to your answer. The idea of uh, embodiment devotion rather than an embodiment practice was like, whew. It, um, it makes embodiment feel a lot more spiritual to me, which I actually really appreciate. Um, Part of it, and well, first, my first reaction was like, oh, I like that. My second one was like, oh, I grew up in a Christian house, and I'm like, oh, oh, too much <laughs> rigidity. But I like the, the idea of devotion without rigidity, just this devotion to having embodiment in my life. Um, I'm an introvert as well, and I thought that I was gonna rock the shit out of COVID, and I have not. <laughs> I was like, I don't like people anyway, I'm gonna be fine. Um, but like you said, first three months, I was going to bake all the things and do all the things and read all the books. And then, you know, I also had a baby during it. So I did none of those things. But even if I hadn't had a baby, I think after three months, I would have been like, okay, I've, I've had enough of this. But I think that there's something about being an introvert and I don't want to see people because I don't want to see people. And I don't get to see people because I can't see people. Um, I want to see the people that I like. I want to touch the people that I like. Um, I miss tugs. I still miss hugs so, so, so much. I never even realized how much of a hugger I was before this. Um, So I think that's been the biggest part of, I am an introvert. I'm very clear on this, but I never realized that I was an introvert who needed (laughs) physical connection. Yeah. I was like, I just want to hug someone who doesn't live in the same house as me. That's all. I don't want your hugs anymore. I just want to hug someone else. got to hug each other with our other friend Denise who will be on the podcast in the next episode um in July and I'm still living off of those yeah I know that high two weeks (laughs) that is like it is it it was it was definitely one of the highlights of my year (laughs) yes yes (sighs) so yeah this is something that I I really think I'm gonna have to sit with I I can think about embodiment in reference to others, like feeling like I am witnessing myself. I'm witnessing my body, even if I'm with others, but I'm trying to see how that fits in kind of my own definition of embodiment. I really, I really Mm. 
like that. So I'm going to have to noodle that a little bit. Yes. <laughs> and it also is reminding me like how valid it is when we're in a room with people and we can feel that they're withholding something from us and how that mm-hmm. makes us feel. Um, sitting in a room with someone and even though nothing is being said, the joy that's already shared between people before a word is uttered, um, or comfort of sitting with your partner on a couch, like both of you reading different things, but everything is just feeling calm. I was thinking about Mm -hmm. all of those things. My partner always says who we are is who we are to each other. And that's what I think I'm going to put at the top of my journal about this because I'm I'm like, yes, because embodiment, body image, like all these kind of words feel so internal and so isolating because they're so internal. Like even the conversation itself feels isolating. I'm just really sitting with right now. Like I need to expand the shit out of my definition of embodiment. Like that I, like who I am in this, in this situation is something I think about, about talking and like my brain and productivity, but like really being like, who am I in this situation in terms of my embodiment? Am I okay with that? How does it feel? What can shift? Like expert. I've never even thought about this in this, these terms at all, Jess, until right now. You know, like what you said about internalized, like, like, an internal process, body image, um, you know, bodyfulness, uh, embodiment. That's a very, it comes, I think, from the individualism that we're exposed to in this culture, right? Like, this is something we do by ourselves, for ourselves, with ourselves. And yes, it is. And also, we are doing it all the time with other people, whether we realize it or not. And the lack of acknowledgement oh. about mutual embodiment, embodiment with other living beings, with other maybe non-living beings, right? Like, that's a missing link, you know, and... I just, it's not that I don't think that it's not important or um, or isn't part of the experience of embodiment to be with oneself. I just, I see it as part of the experience. Hmm. That definition feels really expansive in a way that I haven't thought of embodiment. Mutual is one of my favorite words of all time. Yeah. To imagine being in a space where there is a common holding of space Mm. and sense of each other just sounds incredible. Mm -hmm. It really does. You know, the other thing about the pandemic you know, that has kind of, so there's been this like sweet embodiment, like I talked about with being in my garden and, and bathing in my, you know, stock tank pool, which me and water, like my body in water is such an important way that I experience embodiment. Um, so that was a joy that actually came out of the pandemic. Um, but I think what's also really important to talk about is the rhetoric that we've been exposed to throughout the pandemic 
expectations around movement, expectations around eating in specific ways, fear around our bodies changing. Um, and that has been a real shit show. And just. Yeah, I felt that. That my laugh was like a deep feeling of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had to really be careful about old behaviors typing up because yeah. of like, well, I need to move my body. You know, I, I, I have a history of, of um, compulsive movement. And so mm-hmm. for me, like there, there was kind of that fear. And I, I actually, I did injure my knee, like, this during the pandemic, because I was freaking out about movement so much and getting exercise, right? Um, out of fear of being sedentary. Mm. There's such a fear that I've, I've internalized around being sedentary, like as if that is the worst thing that a person could possibly be on this planet. Yeah. Um, which... I think is totally, this is my brain just making connections, but I think totally related to this lack of um, respect for inanimate parts of this earth, right? That don't, that aren't sentient, right? Mm. Like, how do we know things are sentient? Through movement. Like, that's how we Like, being moving, functioning, mechanistic beings that can I don't know do stuff um and this idea of like being sedentary is like well you've lost your value if you can't do anything Mm. imagine you know like that people who are experiencing that just normally as part of their life like just the oppressive weight of feeling unvalued, mm-hmm. right? Because your body is moving in a particular way, or it's not moving enough, right? Yeah, I don't know. There's just there was a lot of messaging that came through during the pandemic that I've been having to like, like fight off with like what are they like waffle bats? <laughs> <laughs> from outside like like it's okay if you sit and stay put Uh for however long you need so that you're not in pain anymore but when the message is like everything otherwise ignore your pain get rid of the pain so that you can move more right Ooh, that reminds mm-hmm. me of productivity culture. Like, get your mm-hmm. shit together, no more burnout, go take your three-day weekend so that you can get back to producing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's like productivity culture is the antithesis of embodiment. Yeah. It's like, ignore all cues from your body at all costs. At all costs. <laughs> because the only cost that matters or the only thing that matters is is the profitability of you as a resource. Mm-hmm. Because fuck capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Entirely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And all that you were talking about in terms of people comparing themselves to sentient beings, it plays into ableism too, right? Like if you can't, and which we talk about in terms of embodiment, like if you can't do, because of your physical ability or lack thereof, you can't do certain things that you're not as valuable. And that's productivity culture, right? Like it all plays into this whole, again, I'm just going to say fuck capitalism. That's just kind of where I was going in my head. <laughs> Entirely. Yes. This podcast has turned into a fuck capitalism podcast. Uh, I welcome that. Um, Jess, do you have a daily embodiment devotion process? I'm trying not to say practice. (laughs) You don't really use that word practice. So how do you daily seek embodiment? Is that the word I'm looking for? Sure, we'll go with that. I don't like part of my part of my devotion is to not hold myself to daily because that feels like to me it feels regimented Mm. it easily slips into my disorder that I'm really hard to get away from and so um what I can say is that there are things that I do on a regular basis to experience embodiment to enjoy embodiment um and i think you know like i've said one of them is being in my in my garden being with plants and the earth and and another one is um you know while i was in grad school i rediscovered dance i hadn't danced for a long time and there are so many reasons why I fell out of that um, type of play in my life. And when I was in grad school, I, I did an assignment where we're sort of like a, it's a very, hmm, I don't know how to say this, non-traditional program. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> We were in one of our projects guided to choose someone who was no longer living and um, learn about their approach to life as a way to to try and um, build empathy and experience alternative perspectives around things and come to terms with, um, you know, having embodying really like. goodness and maybe not such goodness at the same time and so I chose to study Gabrielle Roth who is a dancer and um, created a well I guess for her would be a practice or a meditation um, called five rhythms and so that's a that's a dance I mean I guess practice but not in that term it's a dance med- that I do. It's a movement meditation. Ooh. It's all kinds of ecstatic dance. Um, and what I really, really enjoy about Five Rhythms and Gabrielle Roth's philosophy, which is totally not perfect, and, you know, um, lots of things in there that I have to kind of just rush to the side, but for my own self, um 
but it's something that I can apply no matter how able I am to move. So I can do as much as lay on a bed and listen to music that that works through these these different rhythmic experiences and it's not movement at all per se i can you know engage with it through art making um i can engage with it through philosophy just in conversation with people exploring um what these things mean or through writing and oftentimes I am engaging with it through movement. I'll put on a playlist that carries me through these different rhythms. Um, and it brings me just like, no matter how I do it, it brings me such release, like just so much pleasure, so much relaxation and release and enlivenment. It's a favorite of mine. <laughs> oh, oh, that, I'm so excited to look this up after. <laughs> really pumped about that. And I like that it sounds like it's really accessible for everyone and that you don't have to do specific types of movement. It's really what finds what's most accessible, what's most pleasurable for you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say, I mean, there is a five rhythms community and I wouldn't say that the community at large is, is particularly accessible. Okay. Um, it can be very expensive. Oh. It can be a um, however, the way that I've related to the practice through reading her books and taking classes and um, listening to her recordings, I've really taken it to heart which what she teaches is that you can you can explore these rhythms in infinite ways and so I have even practiced how can I how can I explore these movements just through my hands how can I explore these movements sitting down or lying on the floor right changing my relationship to my body acknowledging the privilege i have of my able-bodiedness and also recognizing that it's important for me as somebody who is committed to helping and serving people of all abilities to be able to really understand how this type of, you know, exploration works, uh, regardless of who's doing it, you know? Mm. I love this exploration of infinite ways. Mm -hmm. Made me think of infinite embodiment. Um, even as I explore that, and I'll say to people like, there's, there's all, there's not one way to do it. There's the right way for you. And there's the right way right now. So that can have endless possibilities, but just saying, thinking that as infinite embodiment, that it can be in any way that works for someone, any way that's accessible to someone in any way that is the pleasure and joyful and enlivened experience that you described. Mm-hmm. feels so mm-hmm. much more important than what is embodiment is something that I'm sitting with right now. 
Like to be able to talk about embodiment versus being able to experience embodiment. As you were describing that, I was like, yes, to be able to. And I was also like swaying in my seat while listening to you, like being able to like engage in that in conversation. It's something that I do like while watching TV. It's, it helps me get en- engaged in TV if I'm feeling understimulated. As I'll like dance to the theme song as something is starting. And I was like <laughs> almost like dancing to the theme song of what you were saying. I was like, oh yeah, infinite possibilities. That was really like lighting my body up. So that was wonderful. <laughs> and also just thinking, I was lighting my body up. <laughs> yes. I love that. Yes. What lighting my body up? Ooh. Oh my god. Mm. That's my mm. that's my journal topic. Yes. <laughs> what lights your body up? Yes. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. When you when you were both talking about ability and thinking about being able-bodied or not, I was also imagining as I was thinking about rhythms, even someone who was deaf, being able to feel mm. the vibrations of rhythms and how that like I was just like oh like even like sensing them in a hard surface or mm. um you know, what, what is this show? So I'm going to, you're going to hear about my um, uh, reality TV loves here, but Dancing with the Stars, they've had two actors who are <laughs> deaf on there. And they, Marco. Yeah, <laughs> yes. So they, um, and Mary Matlin, right, was the first one. Oh, I just and, remembered him because of America's Top Model. That's my reality TV. Mary Madeline on the L word. Yes! Oh my gosh, how did I forget that? Oh, that show's so fucking hot. <laughs> uh, thank you for reminding me that I wanted to rewatch it. I was just thinking about that the other day. So, so long. Their description, their beautiful descriptions of what it feels like to feel rhythm. What it feels like when their foot is off the ground and they can't feel it anymore, and then to come back in contact with it, I'm just like, okay, again, I have chills, but I'm like thinking about um, how we don't, we tend to, and I'm just realizing I tend to not talk about these things, and even the way I talk about it, it's not accessible like this. Like, what if you just came in contact with the vibration and then you left it? It's also reminding me of, there's like these YouTube videos of a table with like, it's like a flat white surface and they have some sand on it and they turn on different kinds of rhythms and then they show how the sand changes shape to the, to the song. So I was even thinking about someone who could not hear that there's a visual engagement there. And I'm just realizing that I need to make sure that I keep these kinds of references close at hand that I'm not always talking about the traditional ways of interoception, feeling what's in our bodies, um, connecting with our bodies. Um, because I also can see how these non-traditional ways go around our usual way of thinking about things and therefore can feel really therapeutic, really healing. Um, yeah. And I just have constant chills. I'm, I, I'm gonna, it's like, I'm so lit up right now. I could tell a whole, I could say a bunch of examples. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, and what else? <laughs> and you know, with ADHD, I'm thinking about ADHD. It's really hard to sense our internal signaling sometimes if the environment is too activating. Um, if we're in a hyperfixation space, right? I have no concept of what's happening with my body. Nothing. I'm just thinking about like, how could vibration and rhythms even support that? Like, again, I'm just gonna, I'm about to go on a search. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Nice. So thinking about the second part of our podcast title and also really engaging in this conversation we're already having, um, what does the rest of us mean to you and how do you identify as the rest of us? We'd also love for you to identify your privileges, identities, and context here also. 
Um, I mean, rest of us means. I think really what rest of us means to me is outside of the. what is the word like i'm thinking hierarchy but like there is a hierarchy of bodies and at the pinnacle of the hierarchy of bodies is what we see whenever we see embodiment in the media right this idea of like who is an embodiment practitioner and who is representing this concept out in the world um, who's on the cover of the yoga magazines and the breathe magazines and the, you know, who is being invited onto talk shows to talk about it or podcasts, like whatever, right? Is who is representing embodiment? Who is represented in the loudest conversation mm. about embodiment. Yeah. The rest of us is who is not represented in that conversation, that loudest conversation about embodiment. So that to me, people who are working class and poor, people who are non-white, people who are of, you know, larger body sizes, people who are in bodies that aren't, that are disabled by our society, right? People who are dealing with chronic pain, terminal illness, right? Um, children, elders, you know, when I say that about children, what I mean is that we don't teach children that their bodies are their own. Yeah. Some parents are now, some teachers are now, but as a rule of, of, of thumb or norms, that's still not a norm. To teach children that they have autonomy, bodily autonomy, which is essential to embodiment. Yeah. Right? Survivors of assault of all kinds. Survivors of violence, period. Violence is is something that permanently impacts your experience of embodiment. Absolutely. It's never in the question. That's not I've never ever read anything about embodiment that talks about what it's like to live in an environment where there is constant violence outside or inside your home. Mm. How that impacts a person's ability to live fully in their body. So how do I identify? You know, um, I'll name my privileges. I'm white. I'm affluent, right? I'm traditionally educated through academia. Um, 
I am mostly able-bodied. Um, I am, I identify as a small fat person, so I, I get to experience a lot of thin privilege. Mm -hmm. I have um, the privilege of some traditional beauty standards, right? Um, I have passing privileges as a cisgendered woman, which is a public subject, right? Because I actually don't identify that way. Um, so what are experiences that shape my, my experience of embodiment outside of those privileges, um, being a complex trauma survivor? neurodivergence, being a gender, um, being in a body that, while it is privileged by some thin, thin privilege, is not generally accepted as a thin body or as, you know, I do have some chronic pain issues that definitely impact my Experience of embodiment and limit my ability to use my body at times. I'm queer. That definitely impacts my experience of embodiment. I'm thinking of what I said about being embodied with others and remembering very vividly a moment walking down the street with my, my date at the time in San Francisco in the like queer neighborhood and walking down the street, not super late at night. Um, and just like being young in my early twenties and wanting to make out with my date and making out with them. And then just all of the shit that we heard that was thrown at us just for being in our bodies together in public, even in a place that is notoriously accepting, right? The fear that I feel, like to be clear in some places, the fear for my body. the discomfort, even it's not even fear of violence in the sense of physical violence. There's, when you're living outside of societal standards and your body doesn't check all the boxes, there's a discomfort, there's an, a dis-ease that can be experienced of just like, I know I should be okay here, but I just don't feel 100% okay. And so I cannot fully be in my body. Oh. And it's fucking highway robbery. Like, it's so messed up. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, yeah. I mean, it's what everything comes down to mm -hmm. as far 
form that repression takes on the world about restricting bodies of some kind. Mm-hmm. Power. Limited. Yeah. I'm thinking about the fucking Texas abortion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has made me sick for the last again what the fuck is time and what the fuck is happening mm-hmm. that in 2021 people's rights over their body are being just left and right assaulted yeah Still. Mm-hmm. not like it ever stopped but it's just like not like it ever stopped but it feels like in the times that we're living in, in a pandemic that's been going on for 18 months and all of the, you know, all of the violence happening toward black and brown bodies by police, it just feels like yet another fucking thing. Like, I think a, a word that I use a lot with my clients is weary. Like, I just feel weary and it's just another thing. Yeah. It's pretty incredible the layers of stress, pressure, awareness, um, be feeling subjected to things we did not give permission for. Yeah. Um, from so many directions. And that we're asked to just act like it's normal. Even pandemic yeah. things like here's this whole fucking situation and everything about it sucks and will change the way you live your life. And like, let's also keep going exactly as it is. Yeah. And give Such you no an assault on the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, something you said, Jess, in another interview we did, I can't remember who it was with, so I apologize. It might be Nikki Haggett. Um, when we talked about the rest of us, if you feel like you aren't able to fully take off this armor, right? This body armor, even if you are mm-hmm. in safe, you know, safer places. I think if you have to feel that way, that means that you are the rest of us in some way. Mm. Mm-hmm. All embodiment, everything we're doing is contained in some way. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel safe to be all the way yourself, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oof. Bad kind of chills now, like the kind yeah. of my stomach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So you do something called expressive eco-art therapy. Can you explain what expressive arts are and eco-therapy is and how they relate to bodies and embodiment? I'm so excited just to learn yes. about this. Okay, I, I got my notebook. I'm ready to learn because I really want to learn. I was like, this is a short answer. It's short and sweet. Expressive arts is just... It's just an inclusive term for the creative urge in all of us, right? So human beings are just, that is part of what makes us human. We share it with some other animals on this planet um, in, in certain ways. And we share it with all beings that are procreative, right? Like that are creating out of themselves. But there is this really primal, like, instinctual urge to create something new um, to put ourselves out into the world not just through offspring 
but through our imagination, through storytelling, through music, through visual expression and imagery. Um, and so that's expressive arts. It's all those things. It's poetry, it's painting, it's sculpture, it's, it's dance and movement and theater. It's, um, I mean, all of the creative things. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, expressive arts is essentially like, it's an umbrella term that encapsulates the multiple creative modalities that exist out in the world. And it's really a term that's used with therapy. So the reason that I call myself an expressive eco-arts therapist is specifically because I follow expressive arts therapy as a field. Like that's in alignment with how I work with my clients. So on a professional basis. So I incorporate a lot of different, uh, forms of creativity into our therapeutic work that is more expansive than what traditional art therapy is, which is usually really relegated to visual arts. Um, And for me, because embodiment is so important, it would just feel inauthentic to work with people using visual arts only when I've been a writer my whole life, I've been a dancer my whole life, I've been you know, in close kinship with the natural world my whole life, um, you know, been interested in drama and theatrics my whole life. So that's more where I veer towards, professionally speaking. Um, The other part of that is ecotherapy, which is really a modality or field of um, using one's relationship to the more than human or meta-human world um, to support therapeutic processes. So it looks different to all kinds of people um and depending on who you ask it's been a very like i mean all these fields like the field of psychology in general is very you know colonialist and based in settler politic and is very white cis hetero male oriented and so i call myself these things with the caveat that I draw a lot of my understanding and inspiration of how things work purposefully from alternate resources and guides. Um, and so ecotherapy or expressive eco-arts therapy to me means just being in relationship with your natural creative self, which is part of and cannot be separated from the larger world of nature. Um, and that includes, that's not just like, oh, I have to be out in the, you know, national wilderness. Like, no, I walk out my door on the concrete. I'm, I'm still part of nature, right? In that space, oh. that concrete is interacting and is part of nature in that space. And 
is expressing something also. So I guess, how does it relate to embodiment? It is a form of it. Yeah. It's not related to it. It just is it. And that's how I practice with my clients. I practice eco-arts therapy, expressive eco-arts therapy, the mouthful, because I can't, it's just a way to describe how I work with my clients, which is in a deeply embodied that makes sense <laughs> like, uh, like, not only does it make sense but i'd like you to be my expressive eco arts therapist i need a session in this like i'm so excited oh, this is so cool this is so cool i love the idea that we can just be on concrete and be creatively embodied. Um, something Siobhan and I have talked a lot about is I don't always notice when I'm being creative, but I forget that it inherently has and literally has within it the word create. That creating is creative, that um, there isn't one way to create. It doesn't have to look a particular way. The result doesn't have to be, like there doesn't even have to be a result. It can just be mm-hmm. completely process. And, um, I was just like kind of picturing myself outside with the sun on me just for a minute, Mm. like how that might feel, Um, how we like might pace around a backyard, a front yard, like in an apartment complex, just like just to have a shift in how we're thinking and feeling in our bodies, like to create Mm -hmm. movement, to be connected with ourselves. I have never put something into words like that before. So that feels Mm -mm. amazing. This is really great. No, that's really great. (laughs) No way. I feel like we have literally been talked and logicked and chronologued. I don't know if that's a word. I'm making it up. TM right now. Uh, Chronologued. By capitalism and colonialism and imperialism. Like, this is something that I really ripped human beings out of out of embodiment with the earth and creativity is our natural way of expressing embodiment it is something we are all born with it is not something you have to learn it is not creativity is not about being a fine artist right it's about expressing yourself through through this flesh suit you have mm-hmm. whatever it looks like however your particular model works right and knowing that you're you're one of many that you just as you have many parts in your body to your body that you can express with like the natural world is expressing herself, their self, himself, whosoever self through each of us as parts, right? Like we are parts of a body, of another body that is this beautiful, incredible blue planet that we live on, right? The living earth. So that's my elevator speed. <laughs> oh, oh that's so good. So good. <laughs> I love it so, so much. Yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about big and small picture perspectives in this conversation. What do you think we can all do to make a difference with what we have learned today? You know, I think that 
there's nothing we can all do. I think there's something each of us can do within our own lives. Um, and I think the first thing, the most important thing actually that we can do is to just like sit with our own self for a moment and just connect to the fact that we already are fucking embodied. Oh. It's not something we have to search after or pay someone to access. It's just already there. It's clouded over and covered up with all kinds of bullshit that we've talked about today, right? Messages from media, capitalism, the colonial settler project, like all of this shit. Mm. It covers it up, but underneath those layers, it's already there. Mm. I think just connecting to the fact that you are in a body, right? And and asking yourself, what do I like about being in my body? What don't I like about being in my body? Right? How can I find pleasure in this flesh suit? Right? How can I relieve my pain? How can I connect to other bodies? How can I express myself using my body? And choose one. Choose one. Start there. Keep it small. It doesn't, it's not something that you should have to work hard for. Mm. I think it's. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Just remember. So if, if, I guess, yes, if there's something that all of us can take away, remember that you already are. Mm. Oh my goodness. So this reminded me of my favorite quote of all time. I used to have it on my, well, I still have it on my personal email. It's there everywhere. George Bernard Shaw. Life is not about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. And it just landed in a different way for me that the ultimate creative act is actually inward creating ourself, that that's an act of creativity. I just knew that that quote, like, it's like, you're right. I'm like trying to find myself. As soon as I read that, like, oh, I'm already here. But it's yes. also yes. that like we have all the v- past versions of us within ourselves, and we also have all these f- future versions to come, and we can create each and every one of them. Mm. Ooh, I can tell I'm excited because my voice cracked. There's like, <laughs> <laughs> there's, <laughs> but this like creating ourselves, remembering ourselves, just really mm. feels like a creative act to me. That's. Mind-blowing for me. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Oh. Oh. You know the missing piece? That kid's poem? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't think I have. Oh, yes! Mm -hmm. This little wedge goes looking, looking for themselves everywhere, looking at all these other shapes that it might fit into to become whole. And then finally finds a shape that it feels like I'll fit perfectly in you. And that shape is like, what? No way. You already your own piece, you know, like, and 
the moral is that through a little bit of self-understanding and life shaping itself, the piece recognizes it's already cool. Yeah. Oh. Right? Mm. Ooh. So there's a lot of lies and bullshit and messaging out there that you are not cool. Yeah. You are now. Mm-hmm. And that is not true. Mm. Oh, wow. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Oh, I had to dance for a second. Yeah, okay. I've got, uh, my, my chills are back, and for shell soups, it's one of my favorites. Everything is oh, always wow. like, wow, but as an adult, when I look at this, I didn't get that symbolism as a kid. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And as soon as, as soon as I said no, I was also like, oh, wait, I just pictured the wedge. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> this, like, constant, like, self-determination is described as a journey outside of the self and not about creating at all. Just about decision-making moment by moment in a super stoic and logical way. And I'm just mm-hmm. hearing that right now in the context of all of this as it's a creative act. I mean, yeah. This is blowing my mind. Uh, I'm always trying to uh, affirm in Siobhan is how creative she is. She's a wonderful <laughs> creative mind. Um, but I don't really affirm it in myself. My partner's like, yeah, well, you're, you who I look to, you're who I look yeah. to for creativity. I'm like, you do? <laughs> it's just like, but I love creating things. I actually love that. So this is like... Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Okay, yeah. I have a lot of like sensations and feelings in my body. I would like to like yelp. I'm gonna have to do it after this episode. Okay. <laughs> like, and I, like I just yelp now, but I mean like a full on scream. I'm, say, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have to go in my backyard and scream, which will be my partner will love that. He'll be like, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, I don't want it to end, but I'm gonna ask our final question. Okay? I, know. I don't. I don't want it to end, and and we will. Okay. Thank you. We'll just have to have you back another time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here with us, Jess. As we finish up this episode today, what would you like everyone listening to know about what you're up to, how they can find you, and what direction do you see your career and or work taking in the future? Um. So I am intentionally not on social media. Love it. Um, I support you and I don't know how to do that. I support you. It's <laughs> an act of embodiment for this neurodivergent brain. Like I'm like, if I'm on social media, I'm not in my body. Ooh. It had to be a choice. It's my choice. I think social media is awesome. And I think a lot of people use it for really important things. And I'm so grateful for what I learned on it. My time with it is not right now. Yeah. Um, but I do have a website. Yay! <laughs> um, and it's just my name, JessKennard.com. Um, and right now I work as an expressive eco arts therapist under, you know, like uh, mental health professional licenses and art therapy, you know, certifications and all that jazz. Um in the state of New Mexico, and maybe one day I will be licensed also in California, and maybe one day I will venture into the coaching realm so that I can work with people regardless of where they're at in a different capacity. Yay. Um, and, and also, I hope to be up and running some art therapy workshops and classes that would be open to people um, regardless of where you're at. So. Yes. We'll see. I don't. I. I don't know where I'm going to be in the future. I. I'd like to move more into 
other than visual arts in my work. Oh. So I know what that will look like. But oh, we'll see. I'm so excited to see what comes next. Yes. I really am. <laughs> oh, wow. Might include dance parties. Yes. <gasps> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I I I'm already signed up. I just want you to know I'm already yeah. signed up. So like, there. Like, in my mind, that's what happened. Yes, we can eat <laughs> chips and dance. I'm really excited. Yes. About this. Chip club dance party. Anybody listening knows about chip club. Yes. We need to do this for the world lesson. Oh, I can't wait to hug you both again. We're I know. Me too. It's gonna be the best. <laughs> Thank you so much for this. This has been so affirming, and we love this and you. We love you. We love you. We feel so held and heard. You're amazing. Oh, we're so lucky that you are in our life, sincerely. (laughs) Okay, I've already started my yelping. I've started. I've started. Okay, so we'll catch you listeners next. Thank you for being with us. podcast at our website embodimentfortherestofus.com and follow us in social media on twitter at embodiment us and on instagram at embodiment for the rest of us we look forward to being with you again next time in conversation <laughs> <laughs>